Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi, skin friends. While my mom, Dr. Mina, is a board-certified dermatologist, she is not your dermatologist. The topics and opinions in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only and are not intended for personal medical advice. Please consult with your own dermatologist or medical specialist before making any medical decisions concerning your health. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, we are going to be talking all about allergic contact dermatitis, which is basically a fancy way of saying an itchy rash to something that comes into contact with your skin. And believe it or not, this can be quite common and it can occur with products and things you have been using for years without any problem. Joining me today is my colleague, Dr. Charles Mount, who is a practicing dermatologist at Pittsburgh Skin in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He has an interest in complex and medical dermatology, and he will be shedding some light on this fascinating subject with us today. Dr. Mount is a graduate of West Virginia University School of Medicine, and then he served as an active duty flight surgeon in the United States Air Force, where he was deployed overseas twice during Operation Enduring Freedom. He then completed his dermatology residency at Washington University in St. Louis. I'm so glad to have Dr. Mount joining us today, and I'm so glad you've joined in too. Let's get started. Today, we are going to be talking all about allergic reactions that can happen with some of our skincare products and what to be on the lookout for and how to treat these sometimes common reactions. I'm thrilled to have my dermatology colleague, Dr. Charles Mount from Pittsburgh Skin joining us today. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Dr. Mount. And I've introduced you briefly in the intro, but I'd love to hear about you in your own words. Yeah, my name is Charles Mount. I'm originally from Bridgeport, West Virginia, and have lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the last seven years. Uh, went to undergraduate med school at West Virginia University. I uh, was in the Air Force as a active duty flight surgeon for four years, and then uh, was able and lucky enough to go to Washington University, St. Louis for my dermatology residency. After that, have been in Pittsburgh ever since with Allegheny Health Network and recently joined Pittsburgh Skin Dermatology here this summer and couldn't be happier. What kinds of patients do you see on a daily basis? So I focus in medical dermatology and, and complex medical dermatology cases. I see a lot of urgent consults for area rheumatologists, as well as oncologists, gastroenterologists, as well as some allergists. I, I work with autoimmune skin disease, as well as contact dermatitis, doing comprehensive allergy patch testing. Would you say that 
allergic reactions to skincare products and, and not even just skincare products, but just to the products we come in contact with on a regular basis, do you see a lot of reactions, you know, what we would call in dermatology, allergic contact dermatitis? In my daily life, my specialty, I'm a little bit biased, so I'm seeing all the people with the problems, but it is probably an underreported phenomenon or problem in our society. Contact dermatitis is, is commonly occurs from skin, hair, nail products, jewelry, chemicals in our clothing, things we've been around for years, decades even. And our, our normal human thinking thinks that, well, I've been around this product, use this product for many years, there's no way I could be allergic to it. So that's certainly not where the mind goes for our patients. But in reality, that's where most cases of uh, acquired uh, allergic contact dermatitis come from, or these things we've been around for years using intentionally or just happen to be in our common everyday environments. So I, I do see it commonly, and it's usually products that people never suspected it could be to. That's a great point that it can be something that you have used for years without problems, and all of a sudden you'll develop a sensitivity or an allergic reaction to it. So that's a, a really good point. Are there certain products or ingredients that can make you more susceptible or where you're more prone to getting an allergic reaction? What I like to tell a lot of my patients that I'm meeting for the first time for this type of an issue is, in my experience, the better smelling, the fancier, the more exotic, the bougier the product, the more allergenic it often is. Things that have a very strong or highly concentrated amount of fragrance, preservatives, these are all common allergen classes. Fragrance and preservatives are probably the more common ones in, in terms of skin and hair products. You're absolutely right. I like that term, bougie. The fragrances, the things that sound really great and smell really great, a lot of times are the culprits for these allergic reactions, unfortunately. What about something that's natural or organic? Our human minds, our frontal lobes, we really know the difference between something that's natural, organic versus artificial or man-made. But your skin, your immune system, it's not making decisions based off something coming from an Amazon tree that's a thousand years old or something made by pick your pharmaceutical company or cosmetic company in a factory. Your immune system is making a judgment every moment of every day of your life. Is this foreign or is this self? And it has to make a split decision to react to that or not. And again, natural, organic versus artificial man-made doesn't really play so much of a role here. You know, in the last several years, there's been a lot of popularity and movement to use things that are natural and organic. And I think for some aspects of our overall health and certain other issues in medicine or health, that could be a, a good positive thing. But unfortunately for contact allergy, it just isn't great examples. You can be allergic to poison ivy and anything else that's plant-based. So whether it's a, a good smelling fragrance or some salve or cream or shampoo, it, you can be just as allergic to it, if not potentially more allergic to it than a, an artificial type of product or substance. Absolutely. Poison ivy is a great point. You know, that's totally natural and organic, and yet it can cause such an exuberant reaction in, in people. So simply being organic or natural doesn't mean it's completely safe or does not have the ability to cause a rash or an eruption for sure. What about the price of the product? You know, surely if you're going to spend $200 on a cream, that's got to be something that's not going to give you an allergic reaction, right? 
Unfortunately, that's just not the case as well. There is like this probably sweet spot in terms of pricing. The cheapest product might be a little bit more irritating or not as safe, but the most expensive things, you know, where you spend hundreds of dollars for various creams aren't necessarily less allergenic or safer either. A lot of the things that most dermatologists, you know, recommend to patients and on articles, publications, social media, they cost a little bit more, but the commonly used things nowadays like Cetaphil, CeraVe, and all those Vanacrine products, they're a little bit more expensive, but they're not these hundreds of dollars things. So price alone is not a good indicator of how safe or sensitive or hypoallergenic a product might be. What about when products are listed as sensitive or hypoallergenic? Does that mean anything? And, and what exactly? Well, we would all hope that it would, and, and it really should, but that's also not always true. So there is no defined or mandated or regulated FDA standard for the term sensitive or hypoallergenic on a label. So a company can have more or less the same product and label it as now their hypoallergenic or sensitive line without changing the actual ingredient lineup. Really what patients have to do is work with their dermatologist to know and empower themselves that, listen, you can't rely on that front label. The front label is really just an extension of marketing for these companies. They put shiny, bright lettering things that will get your attention, and that's the first hook to get you to buy it. You have to be able to turn that label around and start reading the fine print to see what's actually in there and making decisions with your dermatologist about what's really safe or not. That's right. Yeah, I think turning that bottle around and actually looking at the ingredients, what's in that product is very beneficial and very helpful not to just rely on the marketing saying it's hypoallergenic or sensitive skin. However, I, I do think the ones that are labeled sensitive skin or a lot of times that means fragrance-free, it seems to be. So I do think that is helpful, especially if you have sensitive skin, to look for something that doesn't have fragrances. But again, you need to do your due diligence and, and look at that label and, and uh, try to understand it. That's a great point. I should have clarified that. So I think for most folks that are not yet having sensitive skin contact allergy issues, sticking with things that might say sensitive skin is a good place to, to start because you're right, it's going to hopefully avoid fragrances. It's going to avoid more ingredients. By the time they start having contact allergy issues, Unfortunately, there's just not enough exclusion. One of the best examples I give to patients is, as long as I'm okay to use specific brands on here, but you know, Dove Sensitive Bar Soap doesn't have fragrance, but for whatever reason, Dove Sensitive Body Wash does. So that's how confusing this can really be for some folks and really for all of us involved. So when should someone say they have sensitive skin or they are having a rash and they're not sure what it's from? When should they see a dermatologist or, you know, who's the next step? Is it an allergist, their primary care doctor, or a dermatologist? Speaking from a dermatologist standpoint here, I think it's always great if you're having a skin problem to head straight to the dermatologist, understanding that sometimes there can be issues with wait times and certain areas being underserved with dermatologists. Always check in with your primary care physician first to see what kind of recommendations they could provide, and they could probably help through some pretty straightforward cases. An allergist can also do the same and maybe part of the treatment team in the end. Again, whenever somebody is having a dermatologic issue, 
disease condition, whether it's autoimmune allergy, I, I think the first step of a patient is if you're having a skin disease, you should see a skin expert. And that would be a dermatologist, whether it's allergy, autoimmune disease or whatever. So if you've made some changes in your regimen, you're using fragrance-free products, things that should be safer, hypoallergenic or sensitive. If you've tried some over-the-counter options that are, are always good for just about any skin ailment, such as petrol autumn, Vaseline, hydrocortisone ointment, and that's not getting better, continue to get worse or affecting highly suspect areas where contact dermatitis often occurs, like the face, the eyelids, the hands, that's, that's when it's really time to make sure you've got an appointment to see a dermatologist that can help you. Once you're at the dermatologist, they can then sort of guide you to whether another specialist might also be beneficial. So I know sometimes not uncommonly a dermatologist and an allergist sort of work in conjunction together. But in the the meantime, while a patient's perhaps waiting for an appointment, stopping any ingredients or topicals and sort of doing a, a trial of being off everything can be helpful to see how your your skin improves or or doesn't improve, just to kind of narrow down what could be causing the problem. Yes. Couldn't agree more. So when you are at the dermatologist, are there any special tests that might be done to help determine what caused the suspected allergic reaction? So the diagnosis of allergic contact dermatitis is based off of appropriate history and physical examination, but to definitively tell a patient they are allergic to external contact with a substance, you need to do what's called patch testing. Many people are familiar with allergy testing that is typically done by an allergist, and that's usually scratch or prick testing that's done in typically one day appointment in a couple hours where the, the skin is actually scratched with allergens such as peanuts, latex, cockroach, dust mites, molds. But patch testing, unfortunately, is a little bit harder on the patient in that it requires three visits over the span of about a week where various contact allergens are placed under ad adhesive chambers on the patient's skin, typically their back and shoulders, and allowed to sit there for 48 hours, then removed, and then another 48 hours after that, at least one time, the reactions are evaluated by the dermatologist to see which contact allergens may be causing a problem. There's lots of different levels of patch testing, so you only really want to have to do it once uh, if you can help it as the patient. So it's really important to make sure you get the appropriate amount and extent of patch testing that, that you really need for the condition. Yeah, there are some pretty extensive patch testing out there, and it can really help narrow down what allergen is causing your problem. So it may not be a fun 48 hours or so, but it definitely can be very beneficial. And then once you know what you're allergic to, you can then use that information to seek out products that do not have that, which then can help prevent you from getting these rashes again. Exactly. So on that final visit with your dermatologist and they're determining any relevant positive reactions on your test, they should be sitting down with you and discussing this is where this chemical is found typically in, for example, shampoos or soaps or face washes or perfumes, your detergent, your clothing, going over any skin, hair, products, whatever that you might be using. And you can kind of look over ingredient labels together and get a sense of, yes, this is where you're potentially coming into contact in your external environment, or it could be you know, even your significant other products that are coming close enough in contact with you to be the problem as well. 
lots of different places it could be coming from. And that's where that final visit really is greatly important to have that discussion of all the potential sources of these contact allergens. What about these allergens like limonene, linalool, and and parabens? I feel like we are hearing about these a lot, especially the parabens and sulfates. Can you briefly talk to us about those? You know, are they culprits of allergic contact dermatitis or are they things we should be worried about? So everything is fair game in terms of, of what can be a contact allergen for sure. Recently, in, in the last several years, sulfates, parabens have really been at the top of the list for many focus groups and skin, hair, product companies to exclude based on the concerns of other health issues, potential cancer risk or endocrine dysfunction issues that some of these chemicals may or may not cause. Unfortunately, specifically with the sulfates and the parabens, the chemicals that are usually being used to replace what they do, which are usually performing some kind of antioxidant or stabilizing or preservative function, the replacement chemicals can be more allergenic than the sulfates and the parabens. So we see more contact dermatitis to things that are used to replace the sulfates and the parabens. In my seven years of doing conference of patch testing, the number of times that I've diagnosed someone allergic to parabens, I can count on one hand missing a finger or two, I think. The times that I've diagnosed people allergic to the replacement chemicals, it's multiple, if not numerous times. You might be gaining some health benefit by avoiding them. And I'm not an expert in those areas if they do or not cause those other problems, but unfortunately they do potentially uh, run into some contact allergy issues. The limonene and linalool issue is really an interesting one because, you know, it also kind of harps back to your earlier question of natural versus man-made. So limonene and linalool are these naturally occurring what's called terpenes, a class of chemicals that many plants, flowering plants produce, and they produce a very pleasant, wonderful smell. So whenever you walk into your favorite hair salon and you get that immediate, oh my gosh, it smells so wonderful in here. Limonene and linalool are probably two of the most potent things that you're smelling because they're in just about every shampoo that you will pull off the counter in your store or in a salon. But they're also made by lavender and jasmine and bergamot and eucalyptus and the tea tree plant. So they're really, really pervasive across nature, but also in artificial forms. And they can both cause irritant dermatitis and allergic dermatitis. So that's probably one of the more, two of the most common things that we're seeing, especially with fragrance allergies. Yeah, they certainly do smell good, but for some individuals can definitely cause an allergic reaction, unfortunately. Again, just because it's natural doesn't mean it can't cause problems or a rash. Any last thoughts on allergic contact dermatitis that you would like to share with us today, Dr. Mount? I would share with the listening audience that contact dermatitis, unfortunately, is probably a bit more common than we realize, and that any of our products that we use consistently over time can, and the right or wrong person, eventually develop. Whenever you hear dermatologists speak about general skin and hair care, we always bring up you know trying to use fragrance-free products. I think that's one of the lowest hanging fruits that you can really achieve to reach is just really picking how much fragrance you expose yourself to. You know, shampoos that we like are, are typically, it's hard to avoid fragrance. So you're going to be around a lot of fragrance with your shampoos, but you don't have to have a fragrance face wash. You don't have to have a fragrance body wash. You don't have to have 
a diffuser pumping whatever fragrance in the air in your bedroom every minute of every day, or using a lotion that is, you know, lavender based every minute, every day. So those are really things that you can do on your own, but still have a good quality of life and use most of the products that you like, but limit the likelihood of being the unlucky few that develops contact dermatitis in your lifetime. Keeping it simple, it, it may not be as sexy to get the plain Eucerin body cream compared to the one with all the fragrances and the pretty packaging, but your skin ultimately uh, will thank you when you just kind of keep it simple and and sort of lay off a lot of those fragrances because it is so hard to get around them or get away from them. They're so pervasive, but if you can minimize the fragrances, I think that's a great point. Dr. Mount, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, or do you have an Instagram account where they can learn more about your dermatology practice and potentially allergic contact dermatitis? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me uh, on charlie3 underscore the derm in D. That's my Instagram page where we'll talk about things like contact dermatitis and our practice here in Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Skin Dermatology and Mohs Surgery. You can check us out on the web, www.pittsburghskin.com and happy to help you out however I can. All right. And I will include all of that in the show notes. Thank you all for tuning in this week. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.